Welcome to episode number nine of the University of Vermont Medical Center Nursing Podcast Series, created by nurses. For nurses. I'm Colleen Roach, an oncology nurse. And I'm Robert Hamble, a heart failure clinician and the chair of the Nursing Professional Governance this year. Thanks for joining us as we try to get information out to you about new initiatives, current events, and a chance to celebrate some of the highlights of the great work happening here at the hospital. Today's episode, we are going to talk to a nurse who's doing some work with gratitude. Colleen, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. We also have an interview with Kate Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it was kind of cool to have her stick around um, after hanging out with uh, Kim, that nurse, and just answer some of the questions we had. And we're also going to let you know what's happening for Nurses Week. Yeah, we have a really action-packed Nurses Week, but we've actually dialed the back a little bit from last year. Um, you probably have seen a bunch of emails about events that are happening. We're trying to just do one event every day. And on Wednesday, May 8th, we have an amazing event. And well, rather than me announce it, I think, why don't we have that person announce it? Hey, what's up, everyone? It is Nurse Blake, and I'm so excited to announce that I'm going to be coming out to the University of Vermont Medical Center for Nurses Week. I will be there on Wednesday, May 8th at 10 a.m. I'm going to be giving a presentation on how to use your passion to influence healthcare right in the Davis Auditorium. And then right after that, I'm going to be hosting a meet and greet. So I get to hang out with all of you and also celebrate Nurses Week. So don't forget to catch me in the Davis Auditorium on Wednesday, May 8th at 10 a.m. as we celebrate Nurses Week. I'm so excited and I will see all of you very soon. Rob, I am pumped to have Nurse Blake coming to UVM. He has an awesome Instagram and Facebook page. If you haven't checked him out, it's worth seeing. He's hilarious and it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome day. Um, he's going to come in on uh, Wednesday. He's going to have a great talk. I've learned about the talk. It's going to be amazing. And we're going to also live stream it. We think you should come to it because it's going to be great. But if you can't get off the floor, we'll have it live streamed so you can bring it up on your floors. Yeah, spread the word. And if you haven't seen him, check him out. Yeah, so keep a loud out on your uh, emails to see what's going on during Nurses Week. Try and make to as many events to support other colleagues who may be winning awards, scholarships, learn about our CARPs. But you know what? Let's start this podcast. Wow. So you've just listened to beautiful sound of a bell. I'm sitting here with Kim Cross. This is Kate Fitzpatrick, your chief nursing officer, and I am so happy to be able to spend a few minutes with this remarkable nurse who is doing some incredible work around gratitude. So Kim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And can you just start and tell us a little bit about your where you work and how long you've been at UVMMC? Sure. I'm on McClure 5. I became a nurse in 2005 at the age of 45, and I started on McClure 5, and I've been here ever since. Wonderful, so you're a second career nurse. Yes. What did yes. you do before? I owned a natural food store and a deli in Bristol, Vermont. Wonderful, that's so incredible. So can you just tell me a little bit about this gratitude work that you've been doing? What is what is the project that you've initiated on M5? Well, a couple of years ago, I was listening to NPR, and I heard this amazing interview with a woman who had had open heart surgery who had been keeping a gratitude journal. So it was a study they'd been doing. And what they found is that people were healing better and having overall feelings of well-being. 
So I thought, oh, this is so great. And I, I have had my own history of practicing gratitude and having it be my saving grace. But um, so I decided that I would start giving my patients gratitude journals, but in a way I would validate what they were going through. And then I started learning more research being done, talking about how people slept better, they had you know, better outcomes, they exercised more, they're more likely to follow up with their doctors. So I just started telling people that this was um, this great research and they really responded well to it. So uh, I've had people come back and thank me and it's just been incredible. So I started doing that and then we have our yearly evaluations and then a couple, I told Susan, well, I've been doing this and she said, you need to do this. You need to start a task force. And, and so that's what we did. We started a task force and it's taken a little while but we're in process now. That's wonderful. Yeah. So this task force is part of nursing professional governance and That's it's right. focused on the cardiology patients yes. here on M5 right to now. start. Yep, and with the staff. And with well. the staff. Yeah. So can you just share a little bit about what you've seen first from patients who've participated in the journaling and then maybe talk a little bit about how it's impacted some of the nurses that you work with? Well, the first thing I did, I had a patient who was... Um, had an LVAD who was and you know to get a heart a transplant and I did a meditation with him and, um, and that was kind of just to help calm him down and that was on a night shift it was during an evening shift and he ended up coming back about five years later to thank me and that's when it really clicked to me the impact that this has in people's lives. It, you know, you, you do your work and you, and you do it and you just go on your business, but then when you have people start coming back, I had another patient say, oh, I tried what you said. I went to bed last night and I thought about five things that I was grateful for instead of, you know, letting my mind drift and I was actually able to sleep. So that was really powerful. And, um, but overall, I think, What's happening is, is that the more I learn about it, the more I realize that this is cutting-edge research, so that more research needs to be done. But what we found in some of the documentation is that people with CHF, they actually had objective um, data that said that their inflammation markers were actually lowered wow. after keeping a journal. So um, we just, just decided that this would probably be good to just start doing as a unit and um, people are really responding in the sense that they say oh I try this with my children and now yeah. Roberts told me that at night yeah. you know it's being initiated before they go to bed that they're thinking about what they're grateful for um, what I try to do is say think of five things you're grateful for before you go to sleep and then when you wake up think of three things yeah that's so, a great way to do yeah, it it keeps yeah. it you know, it's an easy way for people that they can access, yeah. um, and it doesn't seem like it's overwhelming or, right. yeah, it's just part of your natural It's day. really, really simple, but the thing is, you do have to do it. You don't have to write it down from what I've been, you know, reading in the research. However, it is a way to establish a pattern and, and create habit. You have to do it for it to work, but as soon as you think a thought of gratitude, the brain actually has a response. So this is what's really fascinating is the um, neurological yeah. impact on the brain. And then, you know, it stands to reason, you know, in history, we're taught, you know, the fight or flight. And our brain is kind of hardwired to go into a negative thought zone because we're always looking over our shoulders. You know, we're looking over our shoulders. We're like, okay, what do I need to do next? Or, you know, and then in our daily lives. So it is something that the more you practice it, the more 
your brain will start to go on to what I call the brain train where it shifts the gear. Yeah. You're more in a positive mode of like, oh yeah, this is, look, that person just smiled at me or, or look, that person just held the door open for me. Yeah, it's it's you know? contagious. And, yeah. and so I've, I'm a huge believer in the power of gratitude. I think in healthcare and for nurses in particular, you know, our work is all about healing and gratitude is such an important part of that. And it's an important ingredient in that healing formula. So I just want to thank you. I want to express my gratitude to you for taking this on and for starting to spread this culture of gratitude across mm -hmm. UVM Medical Center. Mm -hmm. And I really want to thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, Kate, we kind of hijacked you, and thanks for being so flexible, but that interview you just did with Kim was amazing. And we thought, uh, take a couple more minutes, if it's okay with you, just to kind of talk a little bit about the temperature going on at the hospital. We have a lot of big things coming on with Miller transition. Um, you know, we are having this cultural findings, and thanks again for sitting around with us for a little bit longer just to kind of talk about those things. What's, what's resonating with you right now? Well, thank you both. And I just want to, again, say my gratitude for you having this forum for nurses. So there's a couple things that I think are front and center on most people's minds, and one is just the surge we've experienced. So the amount of patients that we're caring for and how sick they are. And it's required us to put pla uh, patients in different areas where we typically wouldn't. But what's been remarkable is the way that our staff in all roles have really stepped up and just helped us manage that. There's been creativity, there's been flexibility. Um, Staff are truly putting patients first, which is what's the beauty of this place. The thing that's interesting about the CERT is it's a regional phenomenon, so we're seeing it in all the hospitals in the region. And we've engaged uh, a, uh, uh, one of the leaders at the College of Medicine who does research in sort of epidemiological uh, phenomena, and he has we've given him a lot of our data to help us understand what's driving this. So we're really excited. We've started to see some preliminary da data on that and starting to see if we can target some strategies differently to help us think about how we manage surge, what we can expect and be proactive about in the future. So his name is Adam Atherley, but he's been a great partner to us. And so what I would say to people is thank you for your resilience. Thank you for, um, you know, stepping up as you do so beautifully. I want you to know we we have heard people about the level of fatigue and, you know, the, the personal impact it's had. And um, not that I have a magic answer right now, but uh, know that there are many things happening behind the scenes and we're trying to engage staff voices in those things, so. One of the things that I've heard is that when the Miller Building opens, that hopefully will help us decompress a little bit. I'm not sure that that's the complete answer, but can you speak to how the Miller Building will affect that? That's a great question, Colleen. So yes, the Miller Building, we're all very excited. That's coming. I think we're in the 60s in terms of days to count down June 1st. Uh, Dawn LeBaron, I think, has it to the 2nd. So, but the, the issue with the Miller Building is, you know, the whole strategy there was to move to a campus that had the majority of the rooms be private rooms. It really promotes healing in a different way. It helps from an infection prevention standpoint, a privacy, all those things, even from a staff satisfaction, you know, sort of having the space they need to do the work they need to do. So with Miller, what happens is we will start to alleviate to some degree the blocked bed phenomena that we experience. So you know on any given day some of the semi-private rooms we have we have to block to single rooms because people have infectious process or there's a social issue or there's an end-of-life situation that we want to honor and so with Miller 
probably we're anticipating about 30 of those blocked beds go away. That's not the full story though. So we know we have to continue to look at other strategies. And just to mention that we are looking at the space on Shep 3 North and having that remain open to do some transitional care. Probably to start it will be um, psychiatry care at a step-down level, but we're also looking at expanding that for some medicine populations um, and really looking at our data to drive that. So I think that's another thing for people just to understand there's other things coming. Uh, anything or any unique moment that stands out to you with the people that are working on this Miller project, something that's kind of blown you away? I, the one thing that has blown me away has been the leadership that frontline nurses have taken in this. It, it's been remarkable. There are two educators who have been leading this at sort of a macro level. So Amy Wilson and Brianna Kim, they have just been energizer bunny. Like they have just taken this and run with it and done some creative ways to engage people in the process. But the clinical nurses who've been deemed transition leaders have really just stepped up and they've helped us really map out the actual movement of patients on June 1st and think about everything that's needed in the care environment. So I would just like to give a shout out to them and all the nurse leaders on the units that are moving. They've been remarkable, yeah. supporting their staff, reconfiguring their units, you know, and the staff that have agreed to change units or change patient populations. Some of them it's maybe wasn't their first preference, but so I have a lot of gratitude for people to kind of go through the process and, and have a lot of grace about it. Yeah. So. Big changes coming for the organization. Just a few, Colleen. Yeah. yeah. So I know that you guys had mentioned you just recently had a big meeting where etch, there's been some um, etch cultural work that's been done. Uh, can you speak to that and tell me about what I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to get that information, so sure. we could speak to that. Yes, so um, let me just start and say that Etch Strategies is a group that we work with over a number of years. They were first here in 2006, so they've done some longitudinal work at looking at our culture, so they know us very well. They were brought in in November really as a kind of a important point in time following the strike to really take a temperature on where are we as a community of UVM Medical Center. And the way that Shannon Casey, who's the principal, does her work is one-on-one um, -on -one interviews. And it's sociological type of research where she really connects to language, emotion. It's very different than taking a one-dimensional survey. So she pulls out some richness in that. And she talked to employees in every level of role, total 337 employees. And um, in that, there was a component that were nurses. Um, I think it was a total of about 20%, but it, you know, nurses were not the majority, they were a part of it. Most of it was randomly selected people, but there was about 18% that were non-randomly selected, including the, the current union leaders. So people had a voice um, from all directions. And I think what comes out of that is, for me, uh, a real public stating of what I think a lot of us have been feeling but not able to find the words to say or articulate. It's been this underlying sort of discomfort or dis-ease or, um, I don't know, angst that something just is off and we know we've been through this significant thing, but we don't know how to take the next step. I think this helps us take the next step. So uh, my own emotions in hearing it a couple of times have been sadness and grief. Uh, I felt I do feel a lot of responsibility. Like you can't help as a leader to feel like, what could I have done differently? What do I need to do differently? So that's sort of been my experience. I would encourage anybody who hasn't seen it already to please try to see it. 
And we're going to make opportunities available for people who didn't get to one of the sessions that's already been scheduled to hear the information. But Robert, I loved it. Yeah, it was um, it was really powerful. Um, I didn't know what to expect when I went into the room to listen to it. It was done really well. Um, it showed both sides of the story, but it just, I think, opened emotions, but also started the process of healing. Um, and I know that's a sensitive topic, the word healing, but for me, it just felt like we're starting to move together again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's still a lot, and I hope people do had a chance to continue to talk about it. It's not just a one-time moment. Right. It's something that we have to continue to talk right. about. It's a conversation starter, and it is one that's filled with emotion. Yeah. Um, and what we really hope is that we, once we have sort of the unspoken things out, we can begin to say, how do we, and I have a lot of hope for this, a ton of hope, how do we move forward differently in a way that avoids us ever getting to the place we got to? Yeah. I think... That's the beauty of this podcast. The beauty of having you here is to continue that conversation. And we thank you so much for being here because this is a voice to allow people to understand the bigger picture. And thank you. Yeah. Yes. So we, we will make an effort to get to those um, sessions and get the conversation started. And we appreciate you being here and being willing to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you, Kate. This was always our hope for the podcast, for it to be a place where we can talk about kind of the real heart of what's going on around the hospital. So I hope that this was meaningful to you and that we can all collectively do our little piece to keep moving the organization forward. I appreciate you listening and tell someone else about the podcast. Thank you.